This is the Empowered Conversations with Aline and Christina podcast. We are two educators of color that have been in the game for over 15 years. Thanks for joining us as we break down and speak on systems that were not built for Black, Indigenous people of color and the ways we address them head on. As we lean on each other in this work, it would be big for us if you took a moment to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to them. Also, follow us on Instagram at Empowered Conversations Pod, where we build community and support one another in this work. All right, let's get into this episode. Welcome back to the Empowered Conversations podcast with Aline and Christina, season one, episode 13. I'm Aline, co-host of this podcast. And I'm Christina, the other co-host of this podcast. Hey, y'all. In our last podcast, we discussed school administrator burnout and turnover or burnover. Something we talked about is whether or not it was a little bit of both. So if you haven't listened to it or to it already, um, go back and take a listen. But before we get into today's episode, let's do a quick check-in. So Christina, how are you doing today? Um, I am for the most part doing well, but I have to admit I am exhausted. Mm. Um, today I had, I participated in an eight, eight hour long virtual professional development, which I'll talk more about in a bit. In addition to that, I was in a staff meeting or a committee meeting. In addition to that, I was in a coaching meeting afterwards. And now it's this excited about. Mm-hmm. I, I actually find our podcast recordings uh, very therapeutic. So, yes. Um, it's a nice day. To some of that. What, what about you, Aline? How are you doing? Um, I'm doing, I'm doing all right, actually. So I am trying to enjoy and um, really make the most of the last two weeks I have of summer break before needing to go back to the office. Um, I know some of, you know, my teacher friends have an additional week or have a little bit longer, but counselors do, for the most part, have to go back before teachers. And so for me, that means I only have this week and next week left of, um, of break um actually so when this airs it'll be my last week of summer break and i'm trying to just you know get in all the little things i wanted to do before heading back into the school mode um but also just trying to to get more rest and and fun in before the summer is over but for the most part i'm doing good well that's what's up yeah I'm sorry that you have um, work stuff going on right now, but I'm sure you'll have some time to have a little bit of fun and process some of that PD today during this episode, um, which, so in episode 12, our last episode, we, we talked about and brought up the difference between training versus professional development, because that was one of the things that um, came up when 
talking about why principals burn out um, was inadequate training or, or professional development. And another you know, way or a tip to, per, to prevent some burnout is to provide you know, really um, intentional professional development. And so we thought it would be a good time to talk about that a little bit. And, you know, we both kind of like step, kept thinking about this idea of like training versus professional development um, and whether or not we think we're like, we think we're going to all of these um, PDs because they call them that, right? They call them professional development. But oftentimes when we really take a step back and look at it, it's really just training. It's not developing our professional skills or us as professionals. So an example that came up that, you know, we think about is even like as administrators, we're oftentimes sent to um, a PD on how to organize or administer a state test, um, yeah. right? I mean, I think I've went to a handful of those when I was an administrator and even sometimes as a counselor, even though we're not supposed to be doing testing. Um, and that, you know, was labeled as professional development, but if you really think about it, it was just training you how to do something versus really trying to, to develop you into a professional or a different set of professional skills. Um, so Christina, why don't we start with you kind of what professional development have you participated in like this past summer so we can keep it kind of like what's been happening present day versus like what we've experienced in the past um, because you know you would think that at this point maybe it shifted a bit but I don't know what what have you participated in the summer give us yeah your thoughts your likes your dislikes or feedback in general to what you you've been going what you've been experiencing this summer well this is kind of a perfect question because i am currently enrolled in a three-day virtual professional development today's actually day two tomorrow thank goodness is my last day <clears throat> as we all know sitting in front of a computer for eight hours it's matter how many bells and whistles they have and videos and breakout rooms and cool apps we get to use. At the end of the day, it's just very tough just staring at a computer. But for uh, this professional development, it's specifically um, leading equity practices at a K-12 school site. The audience, the target audience for this PD is for lead teachers and school site administrators. And so just to give like a quick summary of what, of how this PD is structured and organized, it's defining what equity, one, it's defining what definitions of equity, mm -hmm. which then they move on to the importance of building safe, and trusting relationships. And then three, embracing diversity uh, within your school sites, not just with students, but with staff as well. And they talk about different ways of how that looks like. How, how does it look like to truly embrace diversity and 
various cultures at your school site, whether it's in the classroom, so classroom practices, or for specifically for school site administrators, what that looks like at staff meetings. And so we spend a lot of time practicing on uh, instructional strategies, apps and websites that we could utilize as teachers and admin as we're leading um, this quote and unquote equity work. So that's just a, a brief summary uh, of what this PD is about. Now, what my thoughts are. Mm -hmm. uh, well, let me start off with, I just feel that, I mean, I don't wanna say it's a waste of time. Like I, I wanna switch that to a more positive mindset. I, I would say that me participating in this, this just reaffirmed uh, my knowledge on equity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. I, I, so I guess that's a good thing. Not, I guess it, that is a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just feel that for me to sit through this for three days to learn about definitions and apps, right? That that's just not how I want to spend my summer. Mm -hmm. However, there is a flip side to this, is that I don't even know if I want to call it a dislike, Aline, but I'm, I'm listening to my fellow educators, lead teachers and administrators. I'm not saying all, but there's a handful of participants in this PD who, it, from what they have been sharing, either verbally or electronically, that they have no idea what equity is. Uh. And that scares me because yeah. you are school leaders who are leading some type of K-12 system. You are, you are guiding and supporting our future leaders of America. And you have no idea what equity is. It, it just, it, it, it made my blood boil. It, it gave me anxiety. And I just, there were times when I was speechless. Hmm. And so I'll give you one example. So there was, um, before we read an article, we were asked to go on a, um, not Flipgrid, it doesn't matter. We were, we were asked to go on some type of platform mm -hmm. to post what, uh, to post our personal definition of equity. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, it was, it, it was all built on trust. Like, you know, this is anonymous, your post is anonymous and, and we're asking you to not go on, uh, to not Google the definition. We just want you to write a definition based on what your, your prior knowledge. So kind of like a KWL chart for, for, for us educators out there. Mm -hmm. 
And some of the definitions were off the hook. It was like uh, equity means hashtag all means all. Equity means uh, hashtag we all, all students matter. And I was like, oh my goodness, for real? Like this, this just sounds like a whole all lives matter thing. And you know how facilitators are, they will just read, right? Like they like to acknowledge when you post. So they'll start reading what you posted like, oh, cool. Like, this is awesome. Thank you for posting. Let's start reading all of these. And one of the facilitators acknowledged the all means all in all students matter one. Like, oh, cool. Look at this. Look at this response. Someone wrote all means all and all students matter. And I was like, why in the world would you read that? (laughs) I was like, what? I was like, what are you talking about? And then during our short break, like, you know how you have, they give you in virtual PDs or even in-person PDs, they give you Mm -hmm. like a little five, 10 minute break to use the restroom or or load your coffee. Mm -hmm. They posted the definition of equity. And so it was just there. So it was screen share. It was just there. And I was like, all right, cool. Like we're going to read, like, even though I don't care to talk about the definition, I I don't care to like really jump into the definition of equity, but based on those hashtags of all means all, I'm like, yeah, I'm actually quite excited to read and do a close read and unpack the definition of equity. Mm And um, did we do that? No. As soon as we all logged back on from our coffee break, they moved on to the next slide. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what had happened? Like, this is like a missed opportunity. Right. Like, what, what was that? And then I got excited again, because now we we had um, asynchronous work. Mm -hmm. And during that asynchronous work, they gave us like a checklist of items. So such as like articles to read on definitions of equity, what that looks like in the classroom, what that looks like at staff and staff meetings, and even videos and Mm -hmm. uh, TED talk vid clips and all that. So I was like, all right, cool. Like, hopefully we all come back when we will all come back and um, we'll, we'll, we'll unpack this and maybe they'll even ask us like, okay, well now after reading and viewing these videos, go back to your original definition of equity and, and change it or edit it or what have you. Nope, another missed opportunity. Wow, not even that. Not even that. So that was that. And um, that was yesterday. And then today, something else very similar happened to that. 
uh, happened just like that, where uh, we were asked to unpack our, our cultural identity. Mm-hmm. And hmm. it, it talks about this culture tree. Yeah. And I asked, I, I did a private chat with, um, with the facilitator. Oh, is this, is this from chapter four of um, culturally responsive teaching practices in the brain from, from uh, Zaretta Hammond? Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, I think it's from a book called culturally responsive teaching or culturally relevant teaching. I was like, right. I, That's what you said. From, from Zaretta Hammond. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, this is very interesting. I was like, okay, just, I just want to check in with you. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because my PBIS committee at my school site, we are reading mm-hmm. Zaretta Hammond's book. And we've been reading it since um, November. Mm-hmm. But at, as of the end of the school year, we're just on chapter four. And, and that is because we are unpacking the mm-hmm. heck out of that, that chapter. And uh, excuse me, out of that book. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a book that you could technically read. Um, technically, we could have finished the book already. Mm-hmm. But, but we didn't because it's time to unpack it. Well, and so I want to connect this. Right. Right, 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 right doing a yes and so there was an activity where we were asked to identify our three levels of cultural identity and when we went into a breakout room it was quiet no no one volunteered to like go straight into it I kind of bit my tongue because I felt like I already did a lot of talking. As y'all know, if you listen to the podcast, I do a lot of talking. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to stay quiet, wait for someone else to speak. And then finally, like two of our colleagues um, or two educators, they decided to, to share their three levels. And they were like, honestly, I don't know if I'm doing this right. But I, I, I'm, you know, let me just break the ice and let me just do it. And then finally, there was a third administrator. Um, this administrator, I believe, was from California. Because remember, this PD is like administrators and teacher leaders, like from all over the United States. And she was like, honestly, this activity is a bit odd because imagine trying to do this, like us as as adults. Mm-hmm we're struggling with this activity. Like imagine if we did this activity with our students, like some of this stuff is very personal. Right. And then another um, program specialist who had the same position as I did, she said the exact same, she spoke next and she was like, honestly, I'm not going to share my three layers of cultural identity because she's like, and please don't take offense to this, but I just don't feel comfortable. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's like, it almost felt like there wasn't any consideration taken into creating a safe space, especially after the, you know, what you all, what you share or what you were saying was um, written on that dashboard um, and it wasn't addressed. Like, 
you know, when someone sees hashtag all students matter, I mean, some people are going to be offended by that and say, what does that mean? And without it being broken down or discussed or even unpacked and coming back to the actual definition of equity and having a discussion around that, it's almost as if like, let me just throw you into this conversation where you have to talk to people you don't know and that you, you know, haven't really had a discussion with about this and put myself out there and discuss my three cultural identities. Right. Without, without and, and so it being built up. Exactly. Or and, and so finally, since everyone shared mm -hmm. and I was the last one who didn't say anything, I was like, okay. I was like, I'm gonna be honest with y'all. I have done this talk about the three layers of cultural identity. I was like, I am pretty sure this tree, this image, this framework is from a book called Culturally Responsive Teaching and the Brain. Mm -hmm. I was like, but just to let you know, we spent like three PBIS committee meetings just unpacking this chapter with this tree mm -hmm. because it's exactly what you guys said. It, it takes us trust mm -hmm. and uh building a, a safe environment and a relationship mm -hmm. and, and we're we're colleagues like um, i was like so yes th this is a struggle and i was like and it's very interesting that they're not even giving you contextual information right. they're just showing you this image i was like but i was like i wish they just photo uh, photocopied two pages from this chapter because those two pages before this image gives you contextual information. And they're like, yes, they're like, that's what we need. Mm -hmm. We need contextual information before we see this tree. Mm -hmm. And I was like, right. And I was like, and not only do we need the contextual information, they should have told you what the main purpose is behind this tree and why you need to identify your three layers of cultural identity. Because this is what the main thing is. In order for you to authentically welcome diversity and different cultures in your school site and classroom, you need to be able to unpack your own culture. Mm -hmm. Because when you are able to unpack and embrace your own culture, you're able to identify your own implicit biases, mm -hmm. your own microaggression, mm -hmm. which prevents you from authentically imp implement school-wide equitable practices. Mm -hmm. And that was like an aha moment for, for the group. They're like, okay, yeah, like we didn't know that. Like, we just thought this was like a kumbaya, right. you feel me? like our, our three layers. So, I mean, overall, I feel like, I don't know if this is an, a 101, equity 101, but Aline, real talk, I feel like it this overall meeting, and I don't know, maybe they might address it three. So I'll let y'all know the next time we, we check in. But I feel like they're missing a, a huge chunk, uh, the main meat mm -hmm. of the PD of they're, they're not talking about implicit bias. 
They're not talking about microaggression. They're not talking about systemic racism. I, I rarely, I think maybe I heard the word racism like maybe once. Mm. Well, and that's my question. So it's like, up, and I think this, you know, went back to the whole, like, is this training versus professional development? It's like, where are their goals? Like, what are the, what, what, what are the goals or the intended outcomes of this professional development? It's three days, you said, or four days? Three. Three. So like, yeah, what were the, like, was that mapped out? Was that given to you all? Was it explicitly stated and demonstrated throughout those three days? Or was it an agenda? Right. To make just a summary, the goal is to be, um, to lead the equity work or uh, to have an equity mindset as, as we lead a K-12 school system. But um, I'll just wrap it up like this. This reminds me of how I used to lead PBIS, climate and culture, uh, professional development and meetings at my past school sites. It's very Mickey Mouse, Chuck E. Cheese, you feel me, where it's like- you, Well, it's you, about making the people comfortable. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. And, um, but if we really want to talk about equity, equity is not comfortable and, and nor it should be. Right. And so I think with this particular PD, I think they, they were beating around the bush and they did not want people to feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. They did not want people to feel discomfort. I was this close. There's this one teacher, I, I, one educator. I shouldn't say teacher because I'm, I'm not sure if she's a lead teacher or some type of school site administrator, but she DM'd me. Wait, you don't DM, but she did a private chat to me. Mm -hmm. And she was like, thank you for sharing that. I would love to exchange emails with you. I would love to have a thought partner in a different part of the, the country. This is awesome. And, um, she was like, you know, thank you for bringing that stuff up mm -hmm. because I had a feeling that there was something missing. I just wasn't sure, mm -hmm. but something was a bit off. Mm -hmm. One, it also sounds like there wasn't anything like put into place as far as like an action plan of how to take what you all were given or discussed or or learned and during that time and put it into action oh well you know just like any typical pd k-12 pd you go to right they they give you an action plan template and they go what strategies did you find helpful from today's pd mm -hmm. Here's the strategies we use today. What could that look like at your school site and how will you measure it or how would you what how would you implement it? I was very close to like writing in the chat like, "Hey y'all, if y'all are interested in doing more PDs, I suggest you guys go to Courageous Conversations." <laughs> well, and that's that's the other point too. It's like 
if you're going to lead a PD around equity, you have to be prepared to be uncomfortable and talk about those things. And so some organizations are like, oh, you want to do the, the equity? Like, I don't know the setup and I don't know if these people were, you know, hired from the organization to lead it or if they're within the organization. And so the, the other piece of it is like that it needs to be organized intentionally and the people leading the professional development should also be experienced in leading that type of professional development that goes beyond the surface level. Or maybe that's all they wanted to do. And is that really going to equip school leaders across the country to implement an equity focused action plan for the school year? So Sure. And, and just to let you know, the, the two facilitators, I'm not trying to dog them. They were actually very welcoming, very knowledgeable. Uh, they're awesome facilitators. But then it appears that they, that's what they are. They are facilitators. Right. Because, which I do appreciate about them, is that so at the end of the PD, you know how you write like a survey? Mm-hmm. Well, I, 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 I was, I kept it 100 on my survey and I was like, just to let you guys know that I felt you guys had missed opportunities mm-hmm. when it came to the definitions of, uh, the definition of equity and that whole thing about the posts and then another missed opportunity for not letting us unpack it after we did our, our own work. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and so she did respond and Ooh. she's one of the facilitators did respond and said, thank you for that feedback. I will let the writers know. So oh. with that response, I mean, she's not saying, so that sounds like she didn't write what was going on. Someone else is, and she's just simply the hired facilitator. Got it. So. That's a lot. With that said, Aline, I know you were in Vegas. You were in Vegas last week, and tell us about that. Hopefully, this experience, your your trip to Vegas, was a bit different. Yeah, it was. It was different, and so, well, and it was a different setup. So, last yeah, last week I attended the ASCA, the American School Counselor Association, their national conference that they do every summer. Um, this was the first one back in person. Um, last summer it was virtual. And this one was hybrid. So there was a virtual option, but you didn't get to have access to all of the workshops that were available. Um, and so this wasn't specific on like they didn't have anything like specific, like this is about, this is going to be on equity or none of that. This, it had all kinds of things and several workshops to pick from over four days. Um, and I did attend in person and that was a big deal. And going to Las Vegas during the pandemic was crazy. So for so many levels, like it exposed you to like, it took me out of my bubble in so many different ways. Not only did it take me out of my little COVID bubble, 
of like home, like being home and who I, you know, surround myself with. But it also took me out of my bubble of California and the Bay Area and going into a different state that has different, you know, COVID rules. Um, and let's just say like, I was the odd one out because I was wearing a mask the whole time, um, which was like just insane for me to see. Like I just wasn't, I mean, I kind of knew that it was, like I kind of had an idea that it was going to be that way, but I just seeing it and being in it, I was like, oh, this is happening. Um, and even within the conference, you know, some of I'm full, like, and I get it, like a bunch of, these are all educators. Um, it was primarily school counselors, but there were like counselor educators, so like professors who work in like counselor graduate programs. There were some district leadership people, so some administrators. Um, but yeah, and I get for the most part, educators are vaccinated. Um, but it was like, no one was wearing a mask, even at the conference. So I'm saying this because that's kind of where my mind was, where I was really focused on the surroundings and the people I'm around and trying to keep myself as safe as possible. Um, and yes, you know, the organizers were conscious of that and there was different um, protocols in place so that, you know, some most of the rooms had a section for social distance seating. So I sat there. Um, they did this really cool thing that I want to actually bring up to my principal and see if she'd be down to do this. But they offered different colored wristbands to indicate your comfort level. Um, oh, I was going to say, Aline, you posted that on IG. Yeah. And I took a shot of it and I sent it to that to uh, my admin team and, the, and our principal was like, oh my gosh, like this is simple, but straight up genius. Right. And so what it was is that there was three colors. There was red, yellow, and green. And the green one went, meant like, I'm all good. Like, you know, in for the hugs, like, you know, I'm ready for whatever. Um, the yellow was like, yeah, I'm, I'm vaccinated. I'm, 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 but I'm still like, you know, cool with just elbow bumps. Like, let's just do that. And the red was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not ready. Please still remain your three feet of distance from me at all times. Like back up. Mm -hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm not there. And yeah, I, I, I picked the red one and I wore the red bracelet the entire time, even when I wasn't in the conference, because I'm like, I need people to know. And I, I, and I joked around with my colleagues that I was there with that I might just wear it into the school year, even if my principal doesn't do this or, you know, it just made sense in that moment. And it wasn't, you know, um, I guess uh, the least awkward way to communicate your needs and your comfort level without making it a big deal. And so it was agreed upon norm in that sense. So I, I like that. So overall, the organ, the I've been to this conference. This is was my fourth time going to one of the national conferences, um, and there was a lot to pick, you know, from. There were different tracks, um, and I mostly focused on the workshops that were um, talking about equity and anti-racism. I did a few that were more kind of logistical, like 
you know, helpful trainings, like on letters of recommendation, stuff that I kind of needed to brush up on for next year. Um, and then a lot around self-care and just what that looks like um, being in a, you know, I guess service position where you're providing services to others. Um, but a lot around like professional learning communities and again around cultural competency, competencies and interrupting racism. Um, and I'm going to say so like for the most part, and this was the, the thing, it wasn't interactive. Um, they were mostly like lecture based where you're sitting and listening to the presenters talk about the topic and give you some things to think about. Some of them had like think pair shares. Um, I think, you know, but for the most part, that's the way that it's set up more lecture style. Um, and in general, that's how these conferences are. Um, and so I do feel like it was somewhat of a training, but then did go into professional development area because it did ask a lot of questions that even somewhere, I was really um, appreciative of the questions and the reflection that I was engaging in, not just during the workshop, but even afterwards and still, cause I'm like, you know, looking at my notes and we'll review them and share them with my colleagues um, as we come back to school. Um, but you know what I think was my biggest takeaway and something that I really appreciated this year about the conference was representation. And I noticed that there was a bigger, I guess a bigger effort. And I don't know if it was on behalf of the organization or just more of us, you know, educators of color wanting to show up in these spaces. Um, but there were a lot more presenters and maybe it was because of the workshops I was interested in, but there were a large, you know, number of African-American presenters um, and a large number of Latinx per, um, presenters. And all of them, for the most part, had their doctorate. And that's big, you know, with, our, with the numbers, especially of like Latina doctoral students or doctorate, um, like Latinas holding doctorates, like th that percentage is extremely low. And so it was nice to be in a room where I was learning from educators of color and those that have that, you know, advanced degree that I don't see very often when attending these types of professional developments. So that was nice. And I, and more than anything, like I took a lot from that and just connecting with other educators that I could engage in these type of conversations with. So I made a lot of connections. And so part of like, I don't know if I learned a lot of new things, um, but like you, like I felt like it confirmed a lot of like what I already know um, and made me feel like confident in that space, in that area, in that regard. Um, but it also like what I was reflecting back on with my colleagues who were there, because, you know, in some ways they were like, you know, I don't know if I'm learning a lot. I was also like, what I was learning from is because this was national and we had counselors from all these different states, like in so many ways, like we have to step out again of our bubble and our, our privilege of living in the Bay Area in California and, and having this be part of our day-to-day, -day, especially in, like, in our schools where we are talking about equity and our principals want us to focus on equity and talk about racism and systemic issues. Like 
that's part of our daily, like our day-to-day -day work. And for some schools in different parts of the country, that's not. And so for them attending a workshop like train school counselors to advocate for black students, like that was one of the workshops I attended. You know, I, you know, was more than anything learning from the questions and the responses from the other attendees who are not from California, who were like asking the questions of like what our counterparts are still learning about in areas that don't have you know, that are in the courts right now talking about, you know, banning critical race theory, right? I mean, we didn't even talk about that going on. And so that came up a lot. And I'm like, that's not even something I need to worry about in California. Well, the, the critical race theory, that term wasn't even brought up mm. in, my, in my professional development. And I, I mean, there's like a whole list of words that one being one of them mm -hmm. like I was waiting for implicit bias mm -hmm. microaggression systemic racism critical race theory like I mean to me that just only makes sense if, if we're if we're talking about equity, mm -hmm. if we're packing equity those are the key terms yep that should be brought up and unpacked during any equity training, right? Even if it's just simply fine. If this is equity one hundred one hundred one, fine. At least define it. If if they're not ready, if may if that's if there's a part two, you feel me? Where we really hone in on it and like dissect it, sure. But I didn't even hear hear that at all. I don't know. As I said, I got one more day, and I, I'll let y'all know. Yeah. Well, and I mean, so that's where, again, I don't know if it had to do with the workshops I was focusing on, because mind you, there were several other workshops to attend and a lot of them not having to do anything with um, equity, anti-racism, um, implicit bias, any of that. You know, there were some on like learning how to use games in your your guidance curriculum so like you know I was selecting to be in those type of conversations sure. and I was I don't know I don't know the word but I was just it was affirming to hear them use those terms and to address how you know critical race theory um, is a part of really unpacking our own implicit bias, our own like systemic racism um, and all that happens within our school systems. And also that we're not teaching CRT, like let's just put that out there, that it's a framework that we use in our own kind of day-to-day -day and how we, how we show up um, and how we question systems. Um, so anyway, so again, like, there were so many to choose from. So I'm not, you know, like what I attended isn't representative of what everyone was learning in those few days. Um, but what I got out of it was not just what the presenters were presenting, but the questions that were being asked from my colleagues or like counterparts, I should say, that are from different parts of the country. And that also, again, like 
one, I mean, I'm glad that they're asking the questions, but then it also makes me think like, y'all, this is like, these are like the basic questions that you're still trying to figure out. And they weren't new counselors, because that's another thing, you know, they weren't the young new counselors coming in. And this is the first time they're in a space where they could talk about these things, right? These were, you know, veteran counselors. And so the work needs to happen and it's still happening. And I'm just glad that we had those types of workshops to attend and these, you know, very experienced and skilled presenters to break it down and to hold that space to be able to answer those questions. Um, so yeah, so I had a, a totally different experience. I still like, I attended, I don't know how many workshops did I attend? Um, Cause they were packed days for the most part, but I attended over what, like 10 workshops. Um, and so there's, wow. still, yeah. So part of too, like for me, like what I mentioned in the last episode was just wanting there to be some kind of system where you process the information that you received, what you learned, your reflections on it, your takeaways, and then implement it like in some shape or form into your work into the next school year or beyond that and so for me like that was built in like I went to this because I proposed a, a school year professional development plan for the school counseling department and this was kind of like the jump start to identify you know different resources or different um, frameworks to be able to identify what we wanted to do and use during our PLC time next school year. So for me, that, you know, that's the start of my action plan. Um, but for the most part, that isn't always included or like that isn't the expectation with sending someone to professional development. And so there's a lot more to unpack. And these were both just our two experiences um, with something that's happening right now during the summer. Cause I know that's a, the time when a lot of educators spend their summer break free time going to professional developments which is a whole nother thing, um, <laughs> right? Um, and so it just really sparked something in us last time when we talked about the difference between training and professional development. And so I think, you know, for the most part with, with both your experience and my experience, it sounds like it was a little bit of both. And, you know, with you, you're charged with being the administrator over a program that you're going to lead and take away some of the stuff that you've already been planning into an action plan for next school year. And for me too, but the question is like, what about all of the other attendees? who don't have that kind of plan in place or that system in place. And maybe they do. And that I'd be curious to hear that if any listeners do have kind of these professional development plans, because I know they exist, um, but wanting that to be more of a practice, especially in my area where I don't see it quite often. But yeah, I mean, Vegas was a trip, that's for sure. It was nice to, you know, um, be kind of devoted for that set of time on just doing this, you know, work with all of these other school counselors. Um, but I don't know if I was able to be fully present 100% of the time because I was very conscious of like COVID and my health and like being surrounded by people who were not wearing masks. So let me put that out there. I mean, as you should be. Right. I mean, 
And well, and this is the this is the I mean, funny. real talk. You and I already had COVID. I like, know. I mean, it, it was not fun. I mean, thankfully, oh. our symptoms were alive and our symptoms weren't as bad as other people, but it, still, it was not fun. It was still scary. And it's not something I want to go through again. No, abs absolutely not. So, yeah. And the joke was because you, the, the joke kind of was like you could tell who was from California because I think for the most part, like California was the state that like took the longest to reopen. Um, and for them, like oh, there was a set of presenters who were from California and like they kept making eye contact with me because I was the only one in the room wearing a mask and they made a comment of like, yeah, we're from California and this is weird. And the only reason why we have our masks off is because we're presenting, but they're going to come back right on. And they were just kind of like giving me the nod, like, we see you, we got you, we totally get you. And I was like, thanks, I feel seen because like, I don't know. And yeah, so I kind of wanted to like take a picture of me in the crowd because um, I kind of wanted to do that whole like meme of like, tell me you're from California without telling me you're from California. Because... <laughs> Because it was like, you know, me and my two colleagues wearing masks in a sea of people not. Um, so anyways, okay, moving on. <laughs> but kind of taking about talking about like taking care of ourselves and health, like all of our other episodes, uh, we like to wrap it up by sharing our progress in our own self-care. Um, so Christina, what has your self-care looked like since our last episode? Uh, since our last episode, um, I, I have to think about that. Um, well, I, I feel that I've been con somewhat consistent with doing some exercises. Uh, I think I mentioned that our gym mm -hmm. opened up in our condo complex. So um, I've been trying like I would say that at least four, four times a week, I've been running or jogging, I should say, two to three miles a day. Nice. Um, I, I got the clear from my, uh, from my, one of my surgeons that it's okay for me to go, go to my 30 minute boxing class. But I mean, be honest with that. I, I did it like twice. So uh, I probably shouldn't even be mentioning that uh, twice in like two weeks. That's and good. then, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I want to do that more often. That's for sure. But it's just kind of hard. And I, and I really don't want to make excuses, but I am still working. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the hours of the gym and the hours of the boxing place it, it's not like the hours like before right right I mean it's like the, it doesn't open at 5 a.m and it doesn't close at 10 p.m so it's like I'm because I'm working they they kind of have their hours to like nine to five hours so it's mm -hmm. it's it's a bit difficult um, but, you know, if I want to really make it work, I can make it work. But in terms of what my self-care looks like soon is that I am going to have a week off. So I do have a week off. It's the last week of July. 
before I return. So my last day of work work is this Friday. And then my first day back with the entire admin team is on August 2nd. So I'll, next week is my week of having fun. And I decided, I know I'm, I'm a bit nervous, but I feel like I have to do it. I have about like five family members, like head of family, family members uh-huh. who sold their homes in the Bay, um, as in they sold their homes in Oakland and Alameda and San Leandro, and then they moved to Vegas. And so, and they moved to Vegas like a year ago, and I still haven't visited them, obviously, because of COVID, but I'm, I'm going to take three days, three days, two nights, and I'm going to stay with my family out there. So I'm a bit excited about that. I just, I'm not going to no club. I'm not going to no pool party. I'm not going to the strip. I'm just simply just going to hang out at my aunt and uncle's houses because they all bought houses right next door to each other. So I'll just make trips to five houses Mm -hmm. and do barbecues, chill by their pool, read a book. Nice. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's it. But I, I will admit, I am a bit nervous about the airplane ride. Yeah. Actually, you know, to be honest with you, that was probably the, the most like, like that, that was, that was the easiest part. Did you have people sitting next to you? Mm-hmm. Oh, you did? Yeah. But the, you know, there was a strict mask rule. Like the, the, I felt the most comfortable at the airport, to be honest with you. Okay, because I, I, my dad's coming with me. And so we made sure that we ordered the N95 masks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, good. I'm happy for you to have that week off and be with family and read by the pool. That sounds awesome. So what about you, Aline? What has your self-care look like or plan to look like with your last two weeks of AK? Yeah, you know, um, my self-care looked a lot more like like taking the time to rest and being okay with not doing anything um (laughs) and I've you know mind you I've been at this conference um you know last week and so I wasn't even around and that included a lot of resting because once I was then I'd go back to the room and just basically chill and I didn't push myself to like do more work after all that. And, you know, I did watch a little bit of reality TV that I don't make time for anymore. And so I did, and I just went to sleep. Um, and that was my first time away from my toddler. So that, you know, gave me some kind of alone time. So in some ways that was kind of some self-care. Um, but also for like my two weeks, mm-hmm. my yeah my plan for the two weeks is um to do more like to go back into my morning routine um I feel like you know the last couple weeks I've been letting it slip and I haven't been waking up early to to really start my day with intention and do the mindfulness and the journaling in the morning um and so that I started that today and my plan is to you know to be consistent with that so that I could take that into the school year because I really do feel that that helped me 
to have that morning routine, um, that power hour, whatever you want to call it, um, just that time in the morning before anyone else wakes up to um, take the time for myself. And so that's what I'm going to focus on because I can say that I'm going to do all the working out, moving my body. And I do that when I run around with my toddler. Um, but, you know, obviously it needs to be a little bit more, um, I guess, intentional and energy produced. I don't know, whatever, more intense. There you go. Um, and I can say that I'm going to do that and I want to, but I feel like the morning routine is really going to help me when it comes to taking care of myself. So that's what I'm going to focus on the last couple of weeks. Oh my God. I'm, I want to say ditto now, now that you're saying that, <laughs> because before pre-COVID, I was a morning person. Like for years, yeah. I, I was a morning person, like waking up at 4.30, 5 o'clock at the latest. And now, oh my gosh, like I, I, I told you, Aline, and it's funny. I mean, we laugh at it, how I'm late to work mm -hmm. these days and my days start at eight. Yeah. And I'm like coming through. I feel like there's no point of me even text messaging the admin team. <laughs> I always, I, you know, I'll text message five minutes late, 10 minutes late. Really, when I say five minutes late, it really means 10 minutes late. And then when I'm 10 minutes late, it really means 20 minutes late. And it got to the point where no one responds to me anymore. Before they used to respond with drive safely, but now it's like I do it so much that it's like no one responds to me anymore. But that has to change because yeah. obviously we're in person now or in, in three weeks that has to change because we're in person now. And I have a feeling that even though I'm the program specialist that I'm going to help out with a morning supervision because that's just hashtag I'm in duties right mm -hmm. so that means that I have to come through at 7 30 and to me back then 7 30 was not a big deal but mm -hmm. oh my gosh I can't even <sighs> yes so I'm with you I, I gotta train myself again all right cool well as always we're also continuing to work on our own self-professional development and really talking about like professional development as well as you know wanting to help support our fellow school leaders who want to develop their craft and actually engage in true professional development as opposed to training um and we just finished our equity lens planning guide, a coaching tool for a coaching tool for K to 12 school leaders. Um, and we are in the process of organizing our first coaching cohort for the fall of 2021. So stay tuned for more information on both of those things. Um, and again, you know, thank you for joining us in this conversation. We hope you took something away from it. We hope it helped you reflect back on your experiences this summer or previous to that with professional development and the process of your, you know, implementing your takeaways. Um, and please continue to support the work we are doing by doing a few things for us. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and review. This is how we grow. Read our blog at empoweredconversationspodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram 
at Empowered Conversations Pod. Visit our bookshop. Check out what we have curated and support an uh, independent bookstore. All of those links are in our show notes. That's it for now. Thanks, y'all. Looking forward to next time. Bye, y'all. Have a good evening. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Empowered Conversations Pod. Check out our content and engage in a conversation with us through the comments or DMs. Also, please help us grow and share this with your friends, colleagues, as well as post on your social media. We look forward to next time. Take it easy.